Welcome back to Better Than I Found It, the podcast, all things college golf. You're listening to Mike McGraw, the men's golf coach at Baylor University. Today's guest on Better Than I Found It is Louisiana Tech men's golf coach, Matt Terry. Matt and I reminisce about leading his team to a junior college national championship. We also talk about his years at Troy University in Alabama, and most recently, his time at Louisiana Tech. The main topic discussed today is his wife, Dixie, and her battle with cancer over the past year, and how her courage has inspired Matt. It will inspire you as well. I hope you enjoy. Okay, better than I found it, listeners. Give me a a big welcome today to a a good friend of mine, a colleague, and a a good buddy of mine for a long, long time, uh, Matt Terry from Louisiana Tech. Matt, really, really great to have you on the podcast today. Glad to be here, Coach. It's it's been uh, it's been good listening in to to some of the some of the legends and 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 guys you've had you've had on your podcast through time. You know, it's it's a little bit selfish, and people think, "Oh, it's what a great thing you're doing for college golf and everything." But it's really a little selfish because I actually learn something every time, every single podcast, whether it's a player, or a coach, former player, current coach, whatever. They all teach me something, and uh, I expect it out of you today as well. So, <laughs> bring the heat, would you? All right. Okay. Well, listen. Um, so you and I are in the middle of sort of in the middle to three quarters way through a summer uh, right. of recruiting and kind of getting ready for our teams to come back. So let's you and I talk about that. We saw each other a week or so ago at a camp in, in right. Dallas, and um, but we also see each other at tournaments. So how's right. your summer been uh, recruiting-wise and all that? It, it's been good. You know, we've still been going over to Dallas for treatments for my wife. And uh, so try to, you know, just sneak in recruiting when we can. You know, normally uh, – with the number of days we have that we're allowed to recruit, you're not able to go out as much as you used to. It's no longer the, um, I'm not going to say who used to say this, no longer the babysitting service that we used to do when you would go after players and you would constantly go watch the same few uh, young men because you knew everyone else was watching them and you felt like you had to be there, especially, you know, on the assistant side when you, when we didn't have the regulation of days, but, um, it's, it's been good, you know, that the tournaments I've gotten to go to, it's been really focused on players, certain player to go there, not just random recruiting. And, and I feel like that's, that's been good. And it's something, you know, I've done for a few years that, that I feel like, you know, I want to get to know the player. I want to see what they do bad and good. Um, you know, I, I love it when <laughs> I kind of love it when guys that, you know, you want, you kind of tag them and say, you know, that's my guy. And, uh, he throws up an 81. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gun or he throws up an 81 in the first round and then we get to see what he does coming back. And, um, you know, I, I think there's just different ways of going about it. Um, I mean, we know, we know who the best players are in the field. We, we know who the best player is. And uh, I mean, you, you, you go to the golf course, you're like, yeah, this guy's the best player there. Everybody knows it. You know, it used to be, that's where you'd see eight coaches walking with one group. Um, but, but I feel like we're, we're starting to spread ourselves out. You know, the, the diamonds in the rough are, are harder to find now because I think coaches are working smarter and, uh, realizing that they need those young men. And those are sometimes the ones that win conference championships, regionals and national titles. It, it's those, it's those background guys that, that maybe aren't getting all the limelight. 
Exactly. And you bring up a good point when the rule changed a few years back to 45 total days. That's for you and your assistant coach. You can't just indiscriminately go just recruit five days at the Rolex Tournament of Champions or whatever. Right. So I've chosen to to do as many tournaments as I used to do, but only one day usually or right. less time at each tournament. So we don't use as many days. But that also requires me to do a whole lot better job on the front side of finding out everybody in the field, everything I can about them to begin with. So at least I, I organize my work once I get to the tournament. So I think the 45 days, a lot of people haven't liked it, but it's made me way more efficient. Oh, there's, I totally agree with that evaluation of it. And and it, it's done the same thing for me. And, and, and you tend to maybe ask another coach if, if you've seen that player, if you know they're full, their roster's full, maybe they've seen the young man, um, you know, play somewhere. And, hey, what, what did you think about him? Um, or you, you you maybe get to know their swing instructor a little bit better, their coach, and 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 figure out things like you said. Do your background homework before you ever go watch. It's just not a, a a rando going and watching a kid that might sling a club every three holes. It's it's well we're going to check him off the list. We don't we don't need that around Squire Creek. Um, <laughs> and and, and that, those are things that I mean for me I'm always cognizant of that. I don't mind a little bit a little bit of temper, but. You know, if it's something that's every event we got a little chirping going on, I don't think that's going to go over well um, at my place. You know, something that I've never, I don't think I've ever mentioned on this podcast, but something I started years back, I used to do the watching contests. I used to be there with every, you know, there's 10 of us following the same kid and we follow him 18 holes. And what was accomplished there, I have no idea. Probably what was accomplished, we all overlooked a pretty other, pretty good player in the field that should have been recruited by us. So the watching contest, I don't do anymore. But what I do is if I haven't seen a player, I'll, I'll be on the first tee and I'll stand at a 45 degree angle ahead of him. Now, if he says shank, I'm in trouble because that's what shanks come off at a 45 degree angle. But I'll stand there at about a 45 degree angle and I'm looking at him and he hits the shot. And I watch everything he does until that golf club is in the bag and he's walking off the tee. I do not watch the result of the shot. And then I'll walk down the fairway and see where the, res the ball ended up. And then I'll try to match that result of the shot with the reaction I saw. And I do that for four or five little holes, maybe holes in a row. And it's like I'm kind of getting what how he reacts to different shots. It's like I learn a lot right then. Now, if I've seen the kid play several tournaments, I probably don't have to do that very much anymore. But that's right. a little – I don't know. I don't know if you've ever done it that way, but I started years back, and it, it's worked well for me. It, it it's a pet peeve of mine uh, to have players that don't watch shots down. Uh, I hate it in practice when we're hitting balls, if we're working on something, not watching a shot completely down because how do you know the result? I mean, I understand you hit a bad one. It's not it wasn't off the center or whatever, but if you're not watching it down, who's watching? It? Hmm. No one else cares to watch it. And and like you said, I, I used to love the best players that I've coached through the years were were guys you, you you could tell like bam first tee box hit the shot they pick that tee up they know where it's at and, and you're like yep and shoulder shrug or a or a you know head goes back whatever the case may be it's awesome and and you know same thing with junior golfers you can tell the ones that are confident that have it I mean I you know I've been fortunate to caddy in some some amateurs and and you get paired with a young junior golfer that's really good and you know you watch him in a practice run for nine holes, and you're like, whoa, this is elite. This kid's already got some elite things that he does. And um, and you're, you're going, man, that kid would probably be my number two player, and he's 15. 
you know, and, <laughs> and it's it, because he's already doing some mature level things that maybe we have to teach sometimes a young man to do just, just, just like you said, before they tee it off and, and right after they hit it. <laughs> yeah. I like to see the result. I like to see, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of one arm finishes and the bad body language and the exasperation. And so I created something years ago when a kid will be totally exasperated over a golf shot that ended up in the fairway. Uh, if there's trouble on both sides or like there's trouble on this hole and that fairway ball, a tour player is plenty fine with it, right? He's okay. That ball's in the fairway. I'll say, little Jimmy, I'm so sorry. You didn't like that shot. This isn't qualifying by the way. <laughs> I'll let you hit another one. That one's out of play. No coach. I like that shot. No, it's too late. You decided with your reaction, you didn't like that golf shot. So I'm going to let you hit another one. And one of the nicest kids I've ever coached in my life was Hunter Shattuck. He is an absolute rock star of a human being. And we're qualifying for this tournament. And he was totally exasperated. One arm finished, just a terrible reaction of a ball when there was out of bounds on this hole. And I said, Hunter, I'm so sorry. You didn't like that shot. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you hit it. No, coach, I'm fine. I don't need to hit it up. Yes, you do. Well, he hit it out of bounds, made a quadruple bogey, and missed qualifying by a shot in that tournament. So, poor Hunter. <laughs> but the truth is, I really, when I'm recruiting, I love to see reactions. I don't mind fire. I don't mind a little fire. But uh, when that leads to bad body language, when it leads to more bogeys, eh, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, there's there's something to that. I, I because it's not going to change. Um, you know, I had we had a coach around here say, you know, if a kid hits when he's when he's in little league, you know, if he hits when he's in junior high, when he hits when he's in high school, probably going to hit in college. Mm -hmm. you know, oh yeah, they had bad body language and bad attitude, and you know, <laughs> somebody's allowed them to get away with it this long. Um, it's probably not going to change much. And and I, I mean, you're you. <laughs> Yeah, not stroking your ego, but you're one of the legends of the game, and, and a kid's still not going to listen to you um, because the kid has, has ingrained that in himself to act a certain way. I, I remember my father, um, he, he didn't, he wasn't much of a golfer uh, like, like yours was, but my guy, my, my father <laughs> showed up in a, a Jasper, Alabama, at Musgrove Country Club to watch an invitational. And I was in one of the last couple of groups, and the young man I was playing with had set his clubs down a wedge and something else in a bunker and hit his bunker shot out and hit it back, comes out, slams his club down on his other wedge and snaps it. My dad gets out of the cart, had a cigarette in his mouth, looks at me, puts his arm around me and said, you ever do that? You're done. Mm -hmm. I, was 20, I was 21. I was in college. <laughs> if you ever do that, you're done. And goes back, sits back down in the cart and pulls off. And, and I'm like, that's all he said. We get in the car riding home. I said, you know, I don't do that. And he was like, I don't care. I, he didn't care mm. if I did or didn't do it. Mm. You, if you do that, you're done. And and uh, and I don't know. I, I There's there's a certain line you can't cross. It's like when you see a baseball player take the bat to the Gatorade cooler. Like, I get it. You know, it's high intensity and all those things. But at the end of the day, man, if you're trying to screw up, then you don't need to be playing anyway. We know you're not trying to mess up. Just do the best you can every day. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Well, you mentioned Musgrove Country Club. I played one round of golf in Alabama when I was there working for J.C. Well, it was at Musgrove Country Club with Trey Mullinax, and he just fired a little 11 under par. I shot one over 73 or something like that, and I thought to myself, God, there's a reason I work for a living. There's, <laughs> there's no a reason Trey's going to play for a living. 
That's right. The swinging bridges. Um, oh yeah, those made yeah. me nervous walking across those bridges. Oh yeah, I've I've played in that I played in that event a few times. One of the gyms of Alabama that a lot of people don't know about, and and uh, you can go really low there. I had a uh, that same event. I had a guy that was probably my age now that was playing in it, and I was of course hitting at 30, 40 by him. We get up on this par five with with trees right and left. I cannot remember the hole, and it wasn't very long. And I pipe a drive down there, hit a really good one, big nice high power fade, get it down there. I probably got seven iron in and this guy, uh, I mean, excuse me, I hit an iron off the tee. He hit the driver, hit it down there nicely. And and we're probably side by side. I looked at him, I said, man, I can't believe you sit up there with that driver, you know, with all the trees. And he goes, what trees? <laughs> I mean, this guy works for a living, right? He's a, he's probably an insurance guy or whatever. And he looks at me and says, what trees? I won't ever forget that. And I just looked at him and I thought about it all day. I was like, man, this guy's just looking at fairways. You know, mm. and I, I tell my players that story and I'm like, you know, well, you can't help but see the water coach. And I'm like, well, I get that. but Let's not, you know, it's like looking at a ditch when you're driving. I'm going to drive into it. You know, absolutely. You are. But, well, uh, uh, no, Musgrove Country Club. What a place. I love that place. I, yeah. I, I need to go back. I think I can beat 73. I'm pretty sure I can do it. Um, no so how long have you been coaching, Matt? Uh, since 19 January of 1999. Um, okay. started out as a six, um, about six months, I was an assistant coach at a junior college, Shelton State Community College, where I'm actually leaving today. Uh, they're putting that team in the Hall of Fame at the, at the junior college tomorrow. Uh, I get to see most of those guys are coming back. We've got one in England that won't be back. Um, one that had some personal business he had to take care of and one that had day, daycare, he says, that he couldn't get. Hey, it's a. He's 42 and he's got young kids. I said, you're crazy, but um, we're going to get see all those guys tomorrow night. Uh, and tomorrow we're p- supposed to be playing golf at Old Colony. Um, oh, wow. The JUCO was in Tuscaloosa. Um, and uh, so the guys are, guys are pumped. They're all successful, older. But that was my first stint of coaching as I come in for a, for a guy named Jim Collins. And he's going in the Hall of Fame tomorrow that um, you ask about mentors. He was my dad was probably my, one of my biggest influences toward toward athletics and sport. But this man, he played both ways at Northwestern uh, football. He uh, he was from a small town, Utah, Alabama, really small town. Um, very, you know. Very just stoic man, six two, big guy. He was a two time national pistol shooting champion, one time world champion. He was a 25 year state trooper, did two tours in Vietnam. Mm. Uh, the times I, I got to spend with him and travel with him were some of the best stories. Like if you're, if you did a podcast just on him, it would be five, six, seven hours um, <laughs> of, of just stuff that he's seen and things, little ditty stories he would tell me, but I, that's what I walked into. He had, he had helped out with this golf team and um, I was down trying to play, of course. And I was at the 98 uh, Q school and at Greenleaf West and got done with the first round and called my wife, said, I got to get a job. I'm not good enough to play out here. And about six days later, I get a call saying, he, you know, he's looking for somebody to take the team over and you just got to come up and be an assistant coach. And I said, all right, sounds good. Um, he flies me up on his own dime. Didn't know it at the time. Thought the school was flying me up. Um, he walks in, we sit down, he, he introduces me to the golf team. I watch them play 18 holes, and I'm like, these guys are better than me. Mm-hmm. I mean, these, you know, why am I trying to play? 
And so he tells me, he says, hey, you know, everything goes good this six months, you'll take over as head coach. I said, well, can I get that in writing before I go back and have my <laughs> Wait, a good job? He said, well, they won't do that, but I'll, I'm going to be the athletic director. You got the job. I said, yes, sir. What does it pay? You know, because I wasn't going to ask that out of the gate. I just wanted mm-hmm. a good job. $250 a month. In 1999, I was already married. Dixie had a good job. And so I go back down and convince her to quit. Uh, She goes back home and takes over or helps out with the high school softball team that she worked at, lived with her parents. I lived on a buddy's futon in a one-bedroom apartment in Tuscaloosa on Skyland Boulevard. And, um, I mean, it was a blast. I was up every morning about 5 at the office at 6 because he had already been there an hour old military guy, we'd sip coffee. He'd tell me the way things work. He taught me to walk by all the ladies in, in, uh, at the school and give them some uh, candy or whatever they wanted to walk POs through for balls and gloves. And, you know, other coaches would complain about POs taking two weeks. Ours got done in about three hours. Um, he taught me how to play the game from the back scenes to make a, a program work, like a junior college program. And he told me, he said, this stuff will carry you well you know, in life, treating people this way. And it was interesting. I mean, it's the six months I wish I would have had years working with the guy. There's no telling how good of a coach I could could have become. But that was my six-month stand of being an assistant. And then I became the head coach and been a head coach ever since. It's great. Okay, you tell me, you walked into a team. Did they win a national championship? What did they yeah, do this spring? We won, we won that June. Uh, beat Tyler Junior College, who had won five in a row. Your, your, uh, your predecessor there at Baylor. He was the coach uh, and, had, and had given it over to, uh, oh, goodness, I uh, can't even remember his first name. Uh, White was his last name, played at TCU. Play? Um, uh, no, not Play White. No. Uh, uh, you anyway. Know, really good player from East Texas. Yeah, Maybe yeah. Paul's Valeria Tyler, somewhere in there was what he yep. was from. But, but he had taken the team over, and they were really good. And we, we got fortunate to win up in Raleigh, North Carolina. Had a uh, – had a young man, Jason Dillard, that was our our one guy. Um, we were leading the tournament going into the final round. I won't ever forget this. And of course, I'm still as mentally competitive as anything. I'm 27 years old and um, played with the guys every day. So, you know, I knew, you know, what they could do. And we're, we're losing it, making the turn. We've given up the lead. And I looked at Coach Collins and I'm walking by number nine, going to 10. And he says, uh, well, I knew it. They gave it away again. This will be number three, finishing second in the old, you know, Southern draw. And I looked at him mm-hmm. and I said, I turned and looked and I said, Coach, what the heck do you want me to go tell him? And I was pissed because he, it was like he, <laughs> it was like he'd quit, you know. And he said, Hey, you may want to go go make sure they got some food and some drinks. And I looked at him like, What? <laughs> what? You know, like what? You know, and I'm my adrenaline's going, and I'm, you know, I'm in the midst of it. This is my first, you know. I, I don't know how to react. You know, I'm coach. I'm not playing. I don't have a club in my hands. How do I do this? You know, and so I go on the backside, walk with a couple guys, and I get to number back at number 14T, um, and I'm sitting down just thinking of what to say. This kid walks up. Jason Dillard slaps me with his putter. MT, because that's what they all call me was MT. He wasn't coach. I was 27. And, he's, and they said, he says, what's going on? What's shaking? And I said, man, if you don't birdie four of your last five, we lose. And I don't know where I came up with that. I have no clue. Tuscaloosa News wrote a lot of on it. But he looks at me and says, all right, 
he birdied that next hole, didn't even turn around and look. He just held up a one. I, I go in with our guy that was playing in the one hole that day, Drew Jones from Johnson City, Tennessee, and and I walk in with, with, with him, and he goes and he cans about a 20-footer on the next hole and holds up two fingers. Goes to the next hole, stuffs it in there at about six feet, makes it, holds up three fingers. Goes to 17, he's got about 25 feet for eagle and a par five. And I'm back in the fairway, and I used to have this thing I would point at my head, you know, be smart, be smart with what you're doing. And he turns as he's squatting down reading this putt, and he does this stuff. I'm not doing anything stupid. I'm going to two-putt this thing. I'm not going to try to can it and three-putt. So he rolls it up there in about an inch away, taps in, and he screams in the fairway, as redneck as you can be, that's four, MT, the next one's for you. And I'm thinking, everything's <laughs> the hardest on the course. The pin's tucked over a bunker on the front left. I won't ever forget it. I figure out we're, we've just taken the lead. Um, so I run up. No live scoring. I run up uh, the fairway to catch him. <sighs> He's already hit his second shot. I get up there. He's eight feet above the hole, slick putt, bent grass greens. And I'm freaking out, thinking the kid's going to just pump it by. So I go up there and I said, look, it's it's about three balls outside the right. Just trickle. Doesn't go in, no big deal. We're right there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I go down, standing with Coach Collins. He, of course, takes the breakout, tries to gun it, knocks it five feet by. Mm. Coach Collins goes, selfish SOB. I knew <laughs> he'd get just a typical, again, a guy that had been in the military. Well, of course, he makes the five foot up pillar, gets done. We end up winning. And, and one of the coolest things, and I, I looked at the kid, I'm thinking, man, you can make it. You, you could be you could be a tour player with that with those type things. And he he made I think eight all tournament teams that year, won three times, and he's he's competing against Bubba Watson and a guy named Nick Rousey that was a great player at oh, Alabama. Yeah. I mean, Nick was one of the best JUCO players to ever play. He and Alan McDonald, both of them played at Alabama, but <laughs> but just a just a really fun six month period to start your coaching career. And to be honest with you, I don't know if it's gotten any better. <laughs> <That makes laughs> a lot of my my twenty what. 25 years of doing this. Well, and you get to go share that with him. Is that guy that made that two putt on the last one, is he going to be there tomorrow night? He, he will not be there, but we've had a chance to talk. Um, he He's, he's one, he struggled with some things through his life, um, you know, with, with personal, personal battles, but you know, he, he's, uh, he and I had a, had a long talk the other day about, about how he's got to let Christ into his life. And, and, uh, he, he, he's got a void that's been there for a while, a little hole in his chest. And, and there's only one way to fill it. You and I both know it. And, and he, uh, I think he's there. I, I really do. And, and it's good that his teammates know it now. Uh, I don't think they, they realized it. I'm going to talk to them tomorrow about it. And, and they need to, even though they're all across the country, I got one as a club pro up in Cincinnati, one's down in West Palm and, they're all over the country. They need they they can have a brotherhood there that they've created. You know, they got rings on their hands because of those guys. These guys, and you're gonna sound this typical JUCO, they they took a cross, a metal cross, and they branded each other. This team did oh, wow. before I got there. And and as a as a show of solidarity, you know what I mean? I mean, these guys were it was a special group of guys. They were from different backgrounds and worlds, and they came together and somehow um were all really good. I mean, they were all really good at golf. And it, it, it was just a fun little journey there in that quick period. And then, you know, I took over that summer and I felt like I was the only JUCO coach out recruiting. I was, a, I haven't missed a future master since 99 um, that summer. And I remember Coach Collins saying, if there's one tournament you got to go to, son, you got to be at the future masters. 
because that's where you're going to find your players. And I said, all right, coach, all right, I'll always be there. And, you know, I had, play, I had coaches, you know, like, like uh, Dick Spivey that would say, Hey, go look at that kid. You know, and when I was coaching junior college, it was great. You know, it was great. It, I, I, I thought it was to me, uh, it was a little bit of cherry picking uh, when you were coaching junior college. Cause if you just get to know the four-year coaches, they would tell you who's good that maybe needs a little work or maybe they're just not long enough or maybe they need a little schoolwork. Um, you know, they need a little chance to play to get better. But, you know, back then it was different. We had, uh, you know, we just did, we, there wasn't, you know, coaches didn't have all these great assistants and now, you know, the second coach and second assistant and all this stuff. And, you know, you, it was fun. I tell you, I, I would have never left junior college had the program not been shut down in 2002. I would have stayed right there in Tuscaloosa. We looked at a lot out the lake and, I mean, I was making 25000 a year, thought I was rich. I had no bills. My wife was the softball coach. Dixie was the softball coach at Shelton. And, you know, we had a great campus out there in Hillcrest, um, you know, in Tuscaloosa. And, you know, great people to be around. And, and, I mean, I'm looking forward to going back. I hadn't been back there in years. And, you know, by the time I left, we had the East Tee at Old Colony. It was ours. And, and you know, you, uh, of course, know the North oh, yeah. Tee was Alabama's. And, um it was uh, it was neat. I mean, it, it, I tell you, it was a lot of fun. We had a chance to win every time we pegged it. I mean, every time we put the tee in the ground, it was you know we were the one of the best teams there, and that was fun. Now it's now it's if you don't peg it and bring it, you're not going to finish. And you know you could finish last quickly. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. <clears throat> Pardon me, especially coaches who coached 25 or 30 years ago. I don't. I think it's pretty hard to understand unless you're in it. The parity that is involved right now, and how many teams are trying, and how many teams have quality players. It's like crazy. It's different. Different game. It is, and and you got too many really good coaches out there. I mean, you know, used to when I first started coaching at Troy in '02. I mean, if you got out there and hustled, really, really hustled, you could, you could, you could get that player. Now you got so many great coaches out there, and schools are putting money into it and they're putting resources even even at the mid-major level and you know you, you they people want to win they want their their golf programs can be front and center now that we now with tv and everything involved i mean you've seen the evolution a lot longer than i have and and um you call me old you call me old there matt is that what you're doing experience bro okay it's a little different there's there's a little a little bit of difference i tell people all the time that I've only been doing this, you know, since 99, but I had I had the opportunity of coaching 11 teams. I mean, 11 years at, at Troy coaching two teams. So that's 22 teams. So I throw an extra 11 years on mine. So I, I, I juice, juice the numbers, as it were, a little bit better. That That's amazing. You know, I honestly, I, I know you pretty well. I didn't know you coached women all those years. I just knew yeah. you when I was at Alabama. Yeah. I think it's the first time we met when I was at as Jay Siebel's assistant, and we were watching Patrick Martin and yep. somebody else. We were watching a couple of kids that week, and I, I met you, and I just knew you as the men's coach. I didn't know you were the right. women's coach. Well, at, we might have been at the Ledges because P. Martin was probably ninth grade, tenth grade at the time. That was the Ledges. It was. Yep. And, uh, boy, you talk about a player. Um, you, and that was one of those ones you saw him in seventh, eighth grade. You knew, you knew he was going to. You knew who was going to rock the world. Um, that's that's. I, I tell you, that's that's been a fun thing watching it too. Because I mean, I don't. You, you don't watch too many players that young, but when you know they're they're that good, you want to go see. 
just a few shots um, here and there with with young players and and uh, just yeah yeah that one's gonna that one's gonna got a chance to shine. We'll see him on TV one day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, you mentioned Dixie briefly earlier, and I'd like to go ahead and just talk about that. Um, you know, that's I mean, that's obviously a, a shocker. It's something you you don't want when she got the diagnosis. So I want you to do this. Take me from diagnosis to present day and, and what you've been through and the, the colleagues that have supported you, the just anything and everything about that experience. OK, so I'll, I go down to the Junior Orange Bowl to recruit. Um, we got it planned out in December. You know, Dixie's going to go with me. We're going to fly to New Orleans. We're going to make it a little mini trip for us because the Junior Orange Bowl, you're, you're done, you know, by two o'clock each day. And um, so we, you know, we're, we're looking at going down there. It's, you know, everything's set up. Everything's good. She's not feeling good. And, and we just think maybe, you know, she's going through the change. Um, you know, we're both in our 50s now. We figure that's what's going on. And, you know, she just just didn't get to feeling any better. So I said, well, look, why don't you go to the doctor tomorrow? You know, I fly out today. So I went down, went on down and, and um, you know, got some recruiting in. And our both of our birthdays are January 5th, it's the same day we got married. And so I call her on that day. We talk and everything. And, and you know, she's still not feeling good. Been to the you know, quick care, nothing. And then she goes to goes to the doctor finally they do blood work and, and send her on the 6th to the to the hospital in west monroe she immediately calls me when she's on the way uh, she's just feeling terrible it's, it's she's not good uh, it's it's really bad she's fading you know fading pretty fast and so i scramble to get um you know to get a get a different plane ticket get one booked um you know flying back to dallas and then and then back to Monroe, and I'm able to be there at like 10 o'clock at night. Well, that flight gets canceled uh, or, or bumped going to Dallas. So I have to end up flying to New Orleans, and I drive in, and I get there at 3 in the morning um, at the hospital. And, you know, I walk in, you know, her best friends who, who's with her now um, over, over at the hospital now, she she comes in with her sister to be there because they were able to drive in faster than I could fly in. And and I get there and, and I just look at her and I'm like, this this isn't good. Um, this is this is this is really going to be really, really bad. And you don't show that outwardly, but you know it inside as as the person that's been, you know, we've, we've been married for 20. That was our 26th wedding anniversary you know, in January. And I know you know what you went through with Pam and. That's your, that's your best friend. That's your, that's your person. And, you know, we've got, we got buddies and we got friends out there and coaching and stuff like that, but this is the person that every day we can't do without. I mean, you could go work at Lowe's would have no issue with going and working at Lowe's to, to pay the bills and, and, and wouldn't speak to a soul and go home as long as Pam was okay. And, yep. and, um, and I'm the same way and it, and it, and it hits me and it gut punches you and, and you feel all alone. And that's when you, you know, turn back and you go to the Lord and, and you ask for, you know, just just some wisdom and guidance. And, and you know, the next day they do some more tests and, and the, the doctor comes in, the oncologist, and, and you could tell he's, I mean, he comes in in his cargo pants. He's, he he might have been in the military a little bit. And very matter of fact, mathematician type guy walks in the room and says, look, uh, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. Here's the deal. Um, 
you know, it looks like cancer. It looks like your leukemia. I need to get a couple of more tests back, but my years of experience, this is probably leukemia and, and, uh, you know, we're going to set up a game plan for you and all this. And, and, and my immediately knee jerk is my mom died of lymphoma. And, and I was fortunate enough to be able to sleep with her, you know, for four nights in at MD Anderson because we were at Texas A&M's women's tournament. And, you know, at the time, some coaches took care of my players. And it's, you know, it's close enough Houston and College Station where I was able to go back and forth and put them on a plane once we were done with the tournament. And I stayed in Houston. And all I could think of was those last, you know, couple of days I really spent with my mom before she faded out. <laughs> and didn't um, I didn't want that. I, I did not want that. I watched my dad fold, the hardest man in my life. I'm talking about a absolute – cinder block of a human being was my dad. I, I heard him, I, I, he cried twice in my life. And and once was about his father and the fact that, I mean, my dad did, had five bypasses and when he came out of that, he was worried that he allowed my grandfather to live too long. For my, and, you know, because he, he made the decision and he cried about that and he cried about my mother when he called me. And we, we happened to be in a rain delay when he called me and he never calls me when he knows that I'm going to turn. He never interrupts uh, he's not that way. You don't interrupt people at work. And so I, my mind goes to all this, right, with Dixie. And and I've got to be the I got to be the guy that's solid. I got to be the rock, the guy that's not crying. I got to be the guy that's there for her because she's going to be emotional. Our kids are going to be emotional. And he comes back in the next day, tells us we meet with our children. Uh, we've got a game plan to go to Baylor Scott and White over in Dallas this, this, to this team that he knew, Brian Berryman and and. Uh, who's our oncologist and all these other doctors and nurses around us. This is his team that he's going to send you to. It's like almost like a recruiting agency sending a player to, to Mike McGraw. Uh, this is your guy you need to go to, to get to the PGA tour. This is your guy. Okay. No one else can do it like this guy for you. And so this is his specialty and we go and, and it's been an unreal journey since January being with these doctors and nurses and, and, and the fact that, uh, they allow their Christianity to come out and, and it's a, it's a daily thing we see and, and with, with him and the people that he's surrounding himself with. And I don't know if it just so happens to be this way or it's what we're noticing or what, but it's, 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 that's, I mean, it's the best medicine in the world for you because it's, a, it's a mental medicine. It's, a, it's, it's, it's in your soul. And she's, you know, we're geared up for this last thing. Now we've gone through four, four rounds of chemo, um, you know, and now it's it's bone marrow transplant time. She checks in the hospital today. Um, she we made sure to get approval from the doctor that it was OK that I go to this thing this weekend. She she felt like it was important. I mean, typical former athlete herself and coach important to be there to, to speak at this thing because my boss has passed that that's going in the Hall of Fame. They want me to talk tonight about him. And, um, you know, she she's going to start chemo tomorrow. Um you know, and it's five straight days. And then we have day zero is, is Thursday. And then Friday will be her new birthday. Um, she'll get her sister's bone marrow. Um, and for, you know, people listening, they, it, it's not, it used to be, they would go in and it, it, they would go into the bone of the hip. And it was painful, very painful. And they would, they would draw out 50 from each 50 units from each hip. Now it's, it's a, it's basically a blood transfusion. They'll pull her sister's, uh, you know, blood out. She comes back in tomorrow and um, and and does what she's got to do. And then they'll put that in her on Friday. 
And then it's the waiting game. It's, it's making sure that, you know, it doesn't get rejected. And they, and these people are so unbelievably smart and it's evolving every day. It's like an art form and it's getting smarter and smarter and smarter with what they can do with this. And the fact that she's going to be healed when all this mm -hmm. is done, and, uh, you know, it's going to be, it, it'll be through December that they'll keep monitoring her, but we're, it's going to be three weeks of this and then move into an apartment right near the, the hospital, uh, you know, it, called, called twice blessed. And it's, it, it's unreal what people donate. Like we've been in hope, hope lodge, um, you know, that's free that it's been unbelievable. What, people donate to Gene and Jerry Jones built this particular one, but there's, they're all over the country. I know uh, Mark McIntyre has been through this with his son, you know, in children's over there where he was in McDonald house and he, cause he and I have talked and, and there's other coaches that you don't realize they've gone through these issues. Just like you told me, I didn't realize Pam was, you know, struggling. And, and I want to know that, you know, mm -hmm. I want to be able to pray for her and, and be there for you because it's, it's hard. And, and I would love to say, man, we got this It's perfect, but it's, 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 it's far from the truth. I, I, there's, there's not a time that goes by that, especially when I'm driving by myself, that you start thinking, you know, I don't want to be by myself. I don't, I don't yeah. want to do this alone. And I told her being funny, you can't leave me with our three kids. You know, I'll kill <laughs> one of them. <laughs> I'll be in jail. One of them would be done. <laughs> you're, well, the, you know, you're, you're the sensibility there. I appreciate you taking me through all of that. And we're up to this moment. It's pretty important for, for Dixie. But, you know, a couple of things you need to know. One, your colleagues have been praying for her and you through, through all this. And it's very apparent you find out how much tougher your wife is than you are. I mean, just nope. how much stronger she is than you are. And that's the way Pam is right now, suffering through sort of a, an issue with kidneys, obviously. But, um, you know, Dixie... She's a warrior and you're finding that out. You knew it, but you really found it out through this process. Listen, and, and what's funny is I told her this. So the second night I was with my mom after they had told her she had six months to live. The next day they allowed her to eat solid food for the first time in a while. <clears throat> and she ordered a Reuben. I will never forget it. And she's chewing on that Reuben and she looks at me and she goes, son, you got to be there for your dad. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, <clears throat> I'm worried about him. You know, he's going to, he's going to struggle with this when this happens. And, I said, oh, mom, he's tough. No, you, you don't, you don't understand what's going to happen. I said, mom, I'm worried about you. And she goes, son, I'm not worried about me. My place has been made for me. I'm, I'm okay. And it's funny how she knew the next five years, what my dad went through, the depression and, and eventually his passing, the dark hole he went into and he allowed himself to get into that dark hole. And, and women are, they're tougher. And, and, mm. Dixie's been that way through me. You know, I've been with my, you know, you asked me about how, how the journey's been, you know, just for our team. Um, you know, January, we're sitting in that hospital um, in, in Baylor going through the first treatments. And, and, and you don't know. I mean, Dixie was really sick and they're injecting her with stuff that, that's making her even sicker. And, you know, she's trying to put on a brave face and, you know, kids are in and out and I'm out in the lobby and there's coaches are calling. Um, they're texting and, and it's because they're finding out things. And then uh, Brentley Romine does, does the article with, with golf channel uh, and Brentley's a, a, a godly human being. And, you know, people don't, don't realize he, you know, he's given, you know, one of his kidneys to his mom and, and um, in a transplant. And I didn't know that. So we, he and I got into a, just a separate off, off, you know, off tape 
talk about what he his journey and his faith journey and you don't know it because we're just you know we're out there playing sports man we're talking mm-hmm. about you know hitting wedges and making birdies and and all this stuff and and hey let's let's get to the real world let's let's get to what really matters and you know he does the article and he, and he does such a great job with it that it, it it just it was great and then you know good friend and I had I've had tons of guys that have reached out and done things for us people here in town uh, friends you know Jake Amos calls me and says you know mate and and, and I'm terrible at English accent but he says mate um, I've done something I hope you're not going to be pissed at me and I'm like what and he tells me about the GoFundMe page mm-hmm. and I said brother immediately when I knew this happened my pride is in my back pocket I'm not a prideful man but most of the time by nature, I'm a competitive person, but he tells me and I start crying on the phone and it meant so much to me. So many people around the country, you, you realize you got some friends, right? And you got some acquaintances, but we're all competing and we're all, you know, we're all at tournaments. We leave mad. Sometimes we don't play well. Maybe we don't say bye or whatever, but you start having people reach out all over the country and you realize, Hey, maybe I've kind of made an impact here in 25 years of doing this. Maybe a few people have, I've, I, you know, maybe maybe I'm not such a bad guy because I don't, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think we think that highly of ourselves sometimes. Um, and I, 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 and I'm saying that to everyone out there that, you know, don't spend too much time degrading what you do or who you are because you're probably doing a lot more good than you realize. And you know, I had, you know, somebody sent me a picture from a you know, fundraising deal they did, they were doing in California. And this guy had met one time, they check your GoFundMe guy gives a big chunk. I mean, met the guy one time mm-hmm. and people reaching out. And I told him, I told Dixie, I said, if we ever are fortunate enough to have a lot of wealth, we're going to give it away. I, I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I mean, you and I think are very similar. I, I could wear the same pair of tennis shoes for a long period of time. I could wear a golf shirt from 10 years ago like, I think this golf shirt I'm wearing is probably about six, seven years old. You know, I don't, you know, I just don't have to have very much. And that deal has helped us um, because you just don't realize the expense that we're going to do. I mean, we're still going through. It doesn't matter how much money you make. You're still going to get hit with something you're not predicting. And, and, you know, that's everyone out there, even young coaches, they're going to, you're going to get hit with something with a child, with yourself, with your wife, with your parents that you need to step up and be there for them. And I shut everything down um, mentally um, with my team and I only focused on Dixie and people here at Tech picked it, picked up the slack. You know, our compliance guy who I mentioned earlier is at the state amateur. He, you know, he took the team three times. My support oversight with, I think, a couple. And we had an old football ops for Skip Holtz took the guys to Auburn and a sport oversight flew in to see them, you know, and, and my, our head pro at the club, you know, he traveled with them to conference, um, you know, Brad Pullen, you know, our swing instructor stepped up and, and was able, we filed some waivers and got him to be able to work with the guys at home. You know, Sam Burns is my volunteer assistant. You know, he, he had the guys over for dinner. He brought college golf fellowship in to meet with them and, they, it's been it, it, it's been a huge village that's come in and, and picked my team up and made them better. I think we're an actually better team because this happened. And I wasn't there. I coached one event. I coached one event at Mossy at Mississippi State, and we played so bad 
there. <laughs> and, and, and it's so funny. I got so angry at my number one player. He mumbled something off a tee and I just laid into his ear. And I was thinking, man, you've been pent up too long. And he and I talked about it. He eventually won conference and he's playing in Canada now. And we talked about it and laughed. And, you know, he's, he was smart enough to not say anything back to me when I was kind of getting after him. But, but, you know, that being said, I was at practice a pretty good bit, more efficient when I was out there with them and really more joyous to be able to spend that time with the guys. And like, I'm looking forward to this fall to be able to just to spend the quality time at practice with them. I, mm-hmm. I've always enjoyed going to practice and the daily grind of that. Um, I, I don't, I don't get as, I don't know hyped up as I used to at tournaments. I still get excited. You know, I still can't sleep as much but it's, it's not as meaningful as what you kind of see at practice sometimes and the light bulb going off. And we did some things before we went to conference that I felt like were very, very good that we had, we'd slacked off on um, that we picked up at Troy, you know, a wedge drill that we do some inside, inside 10 feet things, things that matter to win tournaments. And, you know, I know I talked to you about that, how good you guys were with wedges when those times you were in Oklahoma state, you know, you guys would carve, I mean, you had, four you know three four five kick-ins around with each guy just about and uh, with your teams at Oklahoma State and, and it's, you probably could pinpoint most of the best teams you ever had in high school those guys were very good inside 10 feet very good wedge players because they're all going to keep I mean when you, when you get to the level you know they're going to keep it in play mostly you're yep. going to have an ball every now and then but or a ball in the hazard but the good teams they're going to keep the ball in play but they're really good wedge players and so we did that for two and a half weeks before we left for conference. And the guys go to conference. I'm able to be at the practice round. I leave from Texarkana and go to Dallas. So our head pros there, sport oversight's there. And these guys play so well, get to match play, win their first match in a playoff against Middle Tennessee. Uh, Mark McIntyre sends me a text. I'm talking about immediately after my guy makes a 20-footer on his guy. I mean, his guy misses a probably a 7-8-footer to force another hole. He texted me not five minutes later and said, I couldn't be more prouder mm. to see the team win. And that's just class, man. I mean, that just, there's something about that. And, you know, and it, it, um, it was awesome. The guy that made it is probably a, a guy that doesn't think he's a very good putter. And, um, you know, he goes on and, and we, you know, same guy misses a couple of four footers to win the, win the conference title for us. But the right team won, you know, Charlotte wins and, and, um, you know, Cabo does a good job there and, and they go on a win and that's fine. But it was kind of funny how from Mossy to there, the guys flipped the switch. They, they bought into some things at, at practice and, and they, they came up with some, you know, some things on their own, some little sayings that I can't say really on the podcast that, mm-hmm, are, certainly. that, 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 that are, they get after it and that they get motivated by it. It's something that we're going to carry on the rest of my coaching career that, we did at Troy my last four years there when we were so good. That's what we did there. And, and I allowed that to slip away a little bit here. Um, that's my fault as, as the coach for not, you know, I'm going to say forcing them to do these things. Because I know, you know, I watch Brad uh, Pullen and Sam work together at Squire. And there's some things early on that I watched Sam do that he hated. Some drills he did. That he would get very frustrated doing as a young player. Because, I mean, he's only 26, right? Yep. You know, he's one turning pro when I first get to tech and I see these things and I'm like, if he's getting that mad at this drill, we need to do this, you know, because this, this is something that's going to make him way better. Um, and he's already in the elite level. So, 
but I, I, sorry, I got off on a tangent there, but it, it's just been, you know, this ride we've been on and, and look, I'm going to be in and out a little bit this fall as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with some things needing to be with Dixie some more and, you know, she's not feeling well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to miss. And the guys know that, you know, we've had those meetings well, and talk. The one thing that's very apparent to me now is you've got a heck of a support system. A lot of people that want to help keep the program strong and want to help lift you up, you and Dixie both up during this time. So that that's an amazing story to hear all of that, all those people stepping up and the GoFundMe yeah. page was amazing. Jake, Jake starting that was fantastic. Uh, but anyway, we're going to keep track of this and we'll definitely keep praying for Dixie and you as you continue to march right on through this. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, you mentioned this fall, you'll be in and out a little bit, but just tell me if you would go through your uh, lineup, if you would, who you've got on the team and then just tell me what the fall schedule looks like. So we've got, um, we got four seniors this year, Hunter Battles, Lake Jubin, Will Patrick, and uh, Thomas Henson. And then we've got, you know, some some underclassmen, Grant Smith, uh, Riley Nadishan, Peyton Johnson, uh, Reeves Pullen, Alejandro Sanchez. And uh, and then we've got three new, um, you know, three new guys, JT Stevens as well, you know, another local guy. But then we got three freshmen coming in, uh, one from Finland, uh, Nilo Makipeja, um, Jake Plum from England, and then uh, a local young man, Greg Kingley. Uh, whose dad played football for us, who's a little older than me, um, you know, and, and who's been a big support system too. He sells, he sells a chemo, chemo drug. And, um, you know, a lot of the guys at the club have been huge supporters of what's going on with Dixie, but, you know, it's, it's going to be a fun, um, you know, fun group of guys. Um, you know, I say this, um, you know, they're all believers um, and which is, which is huge right now with, where I'm at in my life and career and, and not, that, not that that's a filtering system that you just find that out through the recruitment process. Um, but it's, it's been, you know, it's been neat uh, with these new guys coming in, they're excited, ready to get after it. You know, it's kind of funny how these seniors all of a sudden they flip a switch after their junior years or their, you know, what couple of them are COVID fifth, fifth years and they flip a switch and all of a sudden they're ready to take the team over. It's theirs. And you've seen, you know, a little bit better play this summer out of them and a little more focused when you see them around in their practices and, and things that they're telling me they're doing and rounds they're shooting, you know, tying course records and doing different things like that. It's kind of like, okay, you know, we could have a little special year this year if, if we can stay healthy and, you know, things can go right. One of the things I've noticed through the years, the more the longer I coach, the more I realize when the players own the team, when they're running the team in, the, in a sense – when they are the ones who take ownership of it, we're way better. You know, we coaches want to impose our will on the situation. All we can do is create an environment and hopefully those leaders take it and run with it. Well, it's funny you say that. So coming back from conference after they, you know, lost that final match, they're bummed, you know, and because they wanted to win the thing. And, and I, and I know they told me they wanted to win the thing for Dixie and, and, um, yep. you know, get it done for her. And they, started talking they were going to a restaurant it's only two hours to Texarkana and my sport oversight's driving him back in the van and he's a former basketball player young guy you know he's only 31 himself and and he calls me um after they go in the restaurant and he goes we just had 45 minutes in the parking lot I said what happened and he goes one of the guys said something to another one basically telling them what they had to get better at the next year so it just eventually became a round robin thing where they were telling each other kind of just saying some really, really harsh 
things that needed to be said about one another to each other. And they listened. And he told me it was the most amazing thing that he'd ever been a part of. Even through the years of playing college basketball, he had never been a part of a team that did that. And I, and I texted him back, thumbs up. Now we can get started. Mm. Mm. And when he got, I explained to him what I meant. And it's what you just said. Now it's theirs. It's not my team. It's their team. It's their blood. It's their sweat. It's their tears. Look, I'm I'm coaching. I'm trying not to crash the van. I'm trying to pick out some good restaurants. Make our make sure a hotel reservation's there. You yeah. know, make sure our plane leaves on time. Uh, make sure we're in the tournament. <laughs> we have golf <laughs> clubs. Hey, you you're experiencing it. You've had to put your care logs in and stuff this summer. Oh um, yeah. Hey, make sure the shirts aren't too wild looking. By the um, way, just so you know, I make a terrible assistant coach. <laughs> I thought I was pretty good for Mike Holder. I'm not good anymore. I'm I'm a head coach. Yeah. I know that. Yeah, I think I think Rob Bradley did a better job at Bama than you did. He, much um, better. <laughs> but uh, but no, it, it, that 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 was just one of those things that you know I I I hadn't even talked to the guys much about it. You know, one one of them mentioned it to me and, and told me told me that it was amazing that once you get past your feelings, once you got past the feelings of it that it was amazing. And, and, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what happens. I mean, you know, I feel like we've, you know, we got the schedule we've got is good. We host our opening event here at Squire, which is an amazing place. And, you know, the people out there, the membership, the ownership of the Davisons, everybody there just treats us so well. And it's just been a, you know, an amazing thing being out there. And, and then we, you know, we go to UAB, um, we go to Limestone Springs, it's a course that one of my guys on the team lives right by the clubhouse. He's a senior, Will Patrick. Something I wanted to do a little bit for him. Hey, we might have an advantage here. Um, his dad's been a big supporter of our program, and you know, and and they live right there in Oneonta, Alabama. You know, northeast of Birmingham, and it's a beautiful place. I don't know if you ever got to go out there when you were at Alabama, but it's a really special, special spot. And, um, and, you know, then we go up to, up to Jake's place at ETSU in Johnson city. Uh, I still call it the ridges. Oh yeah. Um, used to be called the ridges. And, uh, but, uh, and then we end at Steelwood um, at, um, at Ben wow. Hannon's. So it's going to be a fun, you know, fun fall. It, 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 it should be one week, you know, these guys, if they come in and do what they're supposed to do. We could get in the mix of all four events, um, you know, stop, try to stay within about 20 of Jake's team at ETSU. <laughs> the way he got those boys going, and um, and you know then we get get into the spring, go to Jacksonville, to TPC, um, trying to think of everywhere we're going. We're going back to Ben's place at, at Magnolia Grove, um, down to see Theo Sliman at, at uh, Louisiana Classics, which is a great a, a great fun event there. Um, it's it's I think uh, John Canauer said it was the uh, probably a, the the culminating spot of the great eating tour of coaches, you mm -hmm. know. I would say that, and I, when we finally got to go down there, when Theo invited us, I was I was hurting during the tournament. The food was so good, and yep. uh, you know, and and um, and and you know, and then we go. Golly, I'm trying to remember. Linger longer, um, Reynolds Plantation, which is a, a beautiful spot. A and M, and and then end at, at Mossy at, at Middle Tennessee before conference. Well, Mississippi State full conference. So you guys have a great schedule, and we will see it. A and M. Looking forward to that. Um, yeah. But gosh, Matt, what a schedule! I'm excited to follow you guys this year for one reason, just that story you just told me about the kind of the, you know, yeah. uh, 
the moment they had there in, in the in the parking lot after that tournament. But uh, so just know this, that everybody's thinking about you, praying for you, you and Dixie. And I just can't wait to see you on the road again sometime this year. And thank you so much for joining me for an hour today. No, I, pr- I appreciate it, Mike. And and look, man, my love and prayers go out our, ours to Pam and, and you and, and uh, you know, know that people are there for you. And you know what? Like you said, I mean, you um, your your guy your guys are there as well. You know, you got a great group of guys that are they're going to take take hold of the reins and let you go on a ride for once. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, Matt. Best of luck. We'll see you uh, in a couple months at a tournament someplace, or maybe I'll see you at the Texas State Junior. I don't know. You guys you never infiltrate know. our state. You just never know. Hey, we need. I need to sneak over there. I'm gonna. Ask, I'm, I'm seriously gonna ask Dixie if I can slide over and watch. <laughs> I've already looked it up and saw how far it is to drive. I'll be in Dallas. Well, All right. I, well, maybe I'll see you in your friendship. Thank Absolutely. you, Absolutely. You betcha. Thank you, Matt. We'll see you. Yes, sir.